Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hello. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we are. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're all here. We're going to sit down for story time. My name is Matt. I'm Celine. Welcome. And this is, yeah, welcome, everybody. This is Peculiar Pairings, where um, we sit down together and we, we have a tasty little treat, and Celine reads us a, a, a cool story. It might be yeah. scary. It might be funny. Yeah, it might be interesting. might be informational. Um, oh. I don't know what it is. We're all going to find out together. Well, I can tell you today is not funny. This is not oh. a funny case. It is oh. a missing persons case. Oh, <laughs> right. So. so probably, okay. Oh. Uh, but it's definitely informative and Ooh. interesting and kind of weird, I think. Well, I mean, tr yeah, true crime is really huge. I mean, it's 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 something that it, it's one of those it things is. that we don't necessarily celebrate, but we can't not have an interest in it. It's it's weird. It's a a strangely yeah. intriguing topic. Well, and to be fair, thinking about this episode this week and kind of reviewing it since I did my research a little while ago. I learned that Dateline is doing a new show called The Last 24. Ooh. So it's supposed to be the last day before someone like disappears or goes missing or I don't know if they're doing any murder type stuff or if it's just disappearances. It's sort of a, a spin off of like the first 48. Kind of, but like, like the reverse, it's the last 24 yeah. hours of known movement and Interesting. Like okay. Yeah, so it's like the last, yeah, like this is the last place they stayed, the last time they charge or charge anything to their credit card. Like this is their last I'm known watch whereabouts. I'm so badly. That is interesting. I'm like so excited. <laughs> do, you, do you know when it comes out? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty on par for us. <laughs> I'm excited because I saw it because I don't have a cable, so I don't usually watch tons of TV unless it's streamed. Right. I mean, that's the age in which we live. It's fine. Yes. While I was visiting my dad, he has TV and we watched Dateline and they had a commercial for it. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> They're oh. finally giving oh, me the... God. The very niche show that I've always wanted, that I didn't even know I wanted. I didn't even know I wanted it until I saw the commercial. I'm like, I want this. Yeah. I want this so badly. Because <laughs> that that's always the question is, what did they do before we know they disappeared? What were they doing? Who were they seeing? Yeah. I want to know these things. And it does always seem to be the most compelling part, like, especially for just mm -hmm. mystery, like mysterious disappearances, where the lead up to them actually disappearing is, is always really compelling. And then it leaves you with that cliffhanger and can't get enough. Yep. That's, yeah. that's exactly it. Well done, Dateline. I know. Well, so. and, yeah, as for our, our snack this week, I normally try to tailor it to what we're talking about. Um, all you gave me was a name for this one because I'm, I'm supposed to be kept in the dark as much as possible. And even, even just with a name, I usually come up with something that, that's kind of loosely tied in. Or like we, one of our earlier episodes, we were talking about a, a village of witches. And so I had like broomsticks and stuff. And then they ended up not really being those types of witches. But, you know, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> that's and, all uh, part of it. So I just had absolutely nothing come to me at all for this week. So I'm just like, you know what? 
We're gonna sit down for a story. Miss Celine's gonna gonna tell us a fun tale. And uh, it just made me feel like a kid waiting for like snack time or something. So I'm like, we're just gonna go with uh, with little squares of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I uh, feel like that works. And I don't know what wine you chose for this week, but the wine I chose is called Predator. Ooh. And there's a ladybug on it. Aww. So it like looks very unassuming, but then has a yeah. very like daunting name. <laughs> and does it would you say that it lives up to its name in the sense of of like it's unassuming, it's just sitting there on the shelf, but then you take a sip and it feels like it's attacking your taste buds? Kind of. I mean it's a red blend, so it's got a lot of flavor to it. I went with yeah. the classic uh, dependable Sutter home. Just nice. general Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh going to pair those with some some uh, little PB&J sandwiches. I think maybe a first for anyone in the world. I don't think people usually pair wine with PB&J. So I think we're, we're pioneers. I would say so. I, it kind of makes me think of, um, I mean, I don't know how many other people did this growing up we'd have um concerts in the park in eagle mm. and everyone would like pack their coolers full of like snacks yeah and then all of the adults brought wine and like beer because it was bring your own beverage right right and they're like that's how we get around liquor laws if we're not selling it you know we're not in charge of it that we is were, very like, supposed much supposed to do that or not <laughs> but i know so many <laughs> people who did that reminds me of, I've only done it once so far. I definitely want to do it again. Uh, I finally got to do a drive-in movie. and It's so much fun. It is. I've only done it once. Yeah, but I was, likewise, I was surprised by, you know, like you go to a theater and you're, mm -hmm. you're sneaking stuff in your pockets and like, oh, don't let them find out. I mean, there were people who bring out grills and stuff and they have little refrigerators and they're just popping beers left and right. I'm like, is this yeah. legal? Are we... I mean, yeah. like, technically, this is private property. I'm not sure that, like, if we're just getting drunk on the, all right, I, I didn't sign a waiver, so I don't care. And they still, yeah, yeah they still had concessions and stuff. So it was just, it was a weird experience. It was more of a, an outdoorsy camping kind of feel than I expected it to be. Yeah, which I feel that's kind of the vibe you want when you're telling a good story. So I feel that the sparing fits. Perfect. Yeah, fantastic. Well, then yeah. without further ado, let's dive in. What are we talking about this week? Today we are talking about Alyssa McLemore, which I don't know if I'm necessarily pronouncing her last name right, so. I don't know either. I will say that <laughs> in, in terms of like trying to find a theme for the, the treats this week, I was, the only thing that really came to mind was Macklemore. Like the artist, and I'm like, I don't know if I didn't I read anything about him. Yeah, and then I'm like, I'm not even sure that's how the name is pronounced. So I'm like, you know what? We'll play it safe. Just PB and J yeah. wine, perfect. So if if I am pronouncing her name incorrectly, that's my bad. But for the sake of this episode, I'm gonna say Mickleymore because that is what Good. makes sense to me. Yeah. My sources for this week are Medium, Twitter, and charlieproject.org, people.com, thehueandcry.com, 
and nativewomenswilderness.org. Oh, my. Yes. It's a lot of it is similar information across the board, but just kind of pulling bits and pieces yeah. into one story. What, what is the Charlie Project? So the Charlie Project is, I'm pulling it back up so I can actually look at it. So it is information, like a database for um, missing people. And you can look up different cases. So you can find like descriptions for when people went missing, what like their age was at the time, and then just... Different things associated with their case. So it kind of. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack us immediately. I just of all of the of all the different like podcasts I listen to, I don't think I've ever heard of it. So I, I hadn't heard of it either until I pulled it up and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice that it has like this basic profile and then it has like the story with it. So sweet. Actually, pretty helpful. Well, good deal. Thanks, Charlie Project. Thank you. And the most important thing I think we need to know in this story is who is Alyssa McLemore? Yeah. So Alyssa was born on July 23rd, 1987. Today she would be 34. She's a Leo, if that matters to anybody. (laughs) And Alyssa came from a large family, which we can certainly relate to. Mm-hmm. Having a large family. Yeah. Have one birthday party and there's like 200 people there. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. not as many presents as you think would be commensurate with that large of a group. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I feel like if you had to buy so many presents every single year, you just wouldn't have <laughs> money for everything. <laughs> that's very true. I understand why we do white elephants and not like a oh gift for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, especially. So poor. Yeah. And when you're a little kid, it does kind of feel like, what? We're doing this? Like, I was, I was going to get a present. And then you become an adult and you're like, yeah, th- even yeah. this is almost too much. <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah. Roll the dice, pass it along, take a present, you're done. Cool. Merry Christmas. Yes. So, Alyssa. And her family were Alaska natives from Aleut descent. I think I'm I think I'm saying that correctly. Sounds good to me. Her family described her as having a good sense of humor. They said she was quite a character. Hmm. That she loved outdoor activities like canoeing and ultimate frisbee. Those honorable (laughs) mentions. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought that ultimate got all the way to Alaska, but that's pretty cool. I wouldn't have either. So it is a lot farther spread than I thought. Yeah, truly an international sport. Well, I mean, Alaska is U.S., but. I mean, I guess if you're crossing. Yeah, if you're crossing Canada. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Like, by definition, it's it's national. But, uh, well, we'll get Canada into it. I'm sure Canada has it. Yeah, I'm sure sure it's all over. Yeah, I'm sure it's all over Canada. Uh, she dropped out of high school her sophomore year from Kent Meridian High School. And as she was a little bit older, she started taking care of her mother since she had an autoimmune disease. 
And in addition to taking care of her, she also had a three-year-old daughter, Nevaeh, who her family said she was super devoted to, doted on, and just absolutely loved and adored, as all parents should. Yeah. So, kind of the, the overall very shallow dive of who <laughs> Alyssa is. But yeah, at a very young age, she essentially becomes a matriarch. She has to take care of, like, her entire family, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. That's, it really is. I mean, I could not do that at, like, 19, 18, 19. Yeah, right. Like young enough where you're dropping out of high school like not even like i can't go to college now it's i'm not even finishing high school because i need to take care of my family yeah it's big responsibility a lot of being an adult very quickly yeah you weren't kidding so Alyssa disappeared in kent washington on april 9th of 2009 Oh, okay. More recent than I was assuming. Yes. It's wow. it's definitely more recent than I initially thought. I was thinking it was like 2004 or for whatever reason when I like first heard about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, it is more recent than that. It's 2009. Wow. So at the time she was 21. So at this point, her daughter was three years old. Wow. And... She was away at this point in time. Like, I'm not 100% sure if she was, like, seeing friends or what exactly she was doing. But at the time, her daughter was staying with her father. So she didn't go with her on this, like, trip. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So... During this time, she was living with her mother and her grandmother. Oh, wow. She really is taking care of the whole family. She is. And um, her mother had Gloderma. I think that's how you say that. It's an autoimmune disease that's also known as, um, I want to say it's like... Your skin shrinking is like what the layman's layman's term of it is. Either way, it's not uh, fun. Your skin shrinking. That sounds not like your skin, like getting tight and like. Yeah. Not not having the elasticity, but not like in the way that your skin does when you age and that it like gets a little saggy. Like there's a like there's a. like a rivet on the back of your head and someone just keeps tightening it and it's pulling the skin to at a certain point, it's kind of like, like free skin rejuvenation. And then I suppose it gets incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's more that it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And that sounds more right. at this time, her mom was actually hospitalized for this condition and she wasn't doing very well. Oh, So as Alyssa was on her trip, her grandmother called her. It was around 6.30 p.m. I want to say April 8th is when she called her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, your mom is not doing well. You need to come and see her. 
like this this is it yeah type of thing so she told her grandmother that like yes i'll of course i'll be there i'll leave like right now and then she never showed up so oh my gosh so it's like double depressing because you have the grandmother who's mm-hmm. looking at her daughter or looking after her daughter so that her granddaughter yeah. can go on a trip. Her daughter is taking a turn for the worse. And on her way to get home, her granddaughter also disappears. Yeah. Or is, yeah, not also, but. Yeah. Well, that is a terrible day. Yeah. So three days after this phone call, her mom dies. And. Oh, no. Her family's trying to get a hold of her. Like, no one knows where she is. No one seems to know, like, why we can't get a hold of her. They left her countless messages just being like, hey, here's what's going on. Where are you? Like, what's going on? Will you be here soon? And no one's hearing from her, but they're like, you know what? Maybe she's just taking some time because, like, this is a lot. But she'll yeah. she'll be at the funeral. She'll be at the funeral. That's what they're all thinking. And they're, what right, they're all right. like telling each other is. Yeah, they're trying okay, to imagine like, she just got some really terrible news. We're all dealing with it in our own way. She just needs some time. She has the date of the funeral. They're, we're going to trust her to be there. Yeah, that or like with her trip, like maybe she got delayed. Like maybe they had like a flat tire and there's something that happened that delayed her. But she'll be there mm-hmm. for the funeral. And she still didn't show up. Wow. And this is when her family officially reported her as missing. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's hasn't shown up. We don't know where she is. This yeah, is like, really weird. Yeah, before she could have just been grieving, you know, maybe there was a mishap or cell phone's dead, whatever. Like, now we're officially worried. This is officially a a case. Yes. And part of it is that as, like, they're trying to figure all of this stuff out, they're reporting her as missing, there is this 911 call. Oh. Which she made the night before she disappeared, which... Um, I think she officially is considered disappeared on April 11th. Yeah. Versus April 9th. It's, it's hard to say because some of the information is this happened on this day, but then they're saying she's missing since the 9th, which is like the day before. So it's, it's a little Mm -hmm. murky there and I'm not sure how I feel about that. I suppose without any more solid evidence, it's hard to determine, like, the exact moment of a disappearance. Yeah. Like if, yeah, you, all you have is this one phone call. It's like she might have been doing something in the meantime. Like, she might have not technically been missing after this phone call for another 36 hours or something. Yeah. I suppose it's hard to say, yeah. Yeah, but I think usually they go off of when someone, like, was last heard from. Or their last known location. So it could be they knew where she was on the 9th, but then they didn't know where she was on the 10th. Right. So it's 
I don't know how this all works entirely. And I'm not going to claim to. Yeah. She very eerily makes a phone call the night before she disappears. Yes. And it was, it's been described as a pretty frantic 911 call. Oh, I forgot already it was a 911 call. Jeez. Yes. And it came from her phone at 9.15 p.m. on April 10th. And it's a very short phone call. It's maybe about 10 seconds long. Oh, my God. That's barely it's, enough it's time to even short. get to, yeah, like, what is your emergency? Yeah. So at this point in time, this is the early day of, of cell phones. So I think even if they could have tracked it, it wouldn't have been long enough of a call to like GPS her location anyway. Right. Yeah. Triangulation by like cell phone pings is, if I'm not mistaken, it's still kind of a dodgy thing. So even back yeah. then, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I suppose back then too, it's not always transmitting GPS. So they, they might've had very little information. Yeah. And I mean, even then I don't think they could have pinpointed her exact location. If they could mm-hmm. would have been like a general area. But she's in Alaska. We know that she's in Washington. Oh, okay. Already. She's Louise. Her family's from from Alaska. Alaska, So I think she could have been in Alaska, like visiting and then like coming down to Washington. Even still, Washington's not very clear on big search area. Yeah, still very large area to search in either way. And the dispatcher said that they heard a woman on the line asking for help to then be interrupted by a male voice saying, I'll hurt you. God. That's not what you want to hear. No, that I'll hurt is, you. Ugh. Oh, that's creepy. Mm. And then like the line disconnects and the operator's yeah. just like, hello. And then that's exactly what happened is that it disconnected. So like the dispatcher couldn't even respond because it went dead like right after. Right. Oh my god. They couldn't ask, like, are you okay? What's going on? It's just I need help. I'll hurt you. That's it. And because of this call, I think they were able to trace the number to her Mm. and know that, okay, like. This is this person, and she lives in this area. Right. Oh, yeah. So from the call, like, the the operator didn't even get any information, so they had to do some, like, legwork to figure out who even made the phone call. Well, they could see the number, because they did have caller ID. Like, that's... Right, right, That's right. very much a thing. Yeah, she but didn't even get to the what's-your-name kind of thing. And, no. Yeah, wow. No. And... Because of this 911 call, as her family is trying to, like, figure out where she is, put in this missing person report, they have the police show up to her address to be like, hey, like, this person made a call. And we have not heard anything like we cannot get a hold of them. We can't do anything with it. And her family was already super worried. 
So to then have them show up and be like, hey, we got this weird 911 call from Alyssa. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, jeez. It's just like extra icing on the cake. of. Yes, we're already at the point where she's missed her own mom's funeral. And now without being prompted, the police show up to ask questions. Yeah, because they're like, we just need to find out information or like maybe this was like a call that didn't necessarily have to happen and she's at home safe. <laughs> the yeah, very yeah, off chance. Maybe they're actually safe. Hey, maybe she was in a theater, but dialed 911. It was a, a, you know, a line from a movie. She's fine. Everything's fine. Call. Everything's it's good. Fine. It's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. It's, it's not fine. Oh no. And since then, no one has seen or heard from Alyssa. Like, she's just wow. vanished into thin air. No nothing? The no, only thing <clears throat> is that they saw, some people saw her with an unidentified man. Like, no one's been able to say who this man is or anything like that, as well as, which, um, let me tell you more about him real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he was white in his 50s or 60s, so older. He's believed to be about 5'8 and around 175 to 180 pounds. You're not a huge guy. No. Unassuming gentleman. Kind of. And people have seen, I want to say it's either her or her with this man in a green 1990 model pickup truck, possibly with organ plates, but also maybe not. (laughs) Real solid information. I know. And it's, it's also unclear as to like whether or not he actually did have something to do with her disappearance or it is an entirely innocent relationship or interaction. Right. I, yeah. It could p- potentially be some good Samaritan giving a, a bar patron a ride home after an evening of partying and, and then yeah. something happens. Yeah. Yeah. It is extremely unknown. And there's a lot of different theories as to what could have happened for her to her. The obvious is that she could have been murdered. Right. Which considering that no one has seen her, no one has heard from her and there isn't any sort of trail or trace for her. To me, that seems like unfortunately the obvious thing. Well, and especially like when you hear of someone who like hypothetically fakes their own death and is trying to disappear, trying not to leave a trail, that kind of thing. The the sorts of places they end up are remote areas like Montana or Alaska. They usually don't go Mm -hmm. from those sparsely populated areas to more densely populated areas and then fall off the grid. Like, yeah, if they, you don't go to a place where they're going to have more cameras and stuff to like fake your death, essentially. Yeah, it's. And it's one of those things that like 
faking your death and disappearing is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with and even like, then they usually find you. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, especially like you were saying, it was still kind of early cell phone, like not very good cameras on cell phones and stuff sort of age, but it was still the information age. It's it was still a time of time yeah. very difficult to disappear in. Yeah. Yeah. Some people think that she might be a victim of sex trafficking, which oh, yeah. could also be possible because if she's not the person in charge of her own life, she might not be making any sort of purchases. She might not be doing mm -hmm. anything in her own name. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot harder to track people in sex trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. Like by design, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're in control of all the details. Yeah. So even with that, like they I mean, there are just so many different variables with that alone. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and it's it's weird to think too that it could just be it's it's just amazing how like details fall into place sometimes and how mm -hmm. sometimes things just happen to work out where no leads are found, no details. So like it, it with the little information that's there, it really could potentially be a huge organization that is involved with some kind of human trafficking or just a random chance encounter with some random person in yeah. the middle of nowhere, Washington. And she just has well, never like seen wrong it. Time. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really all it could be is just being in the wrong place at the wrong time <clears throat> with the wrong person. Absolutely. Yeah. And because Maybe no one knows she's there specifically. They don't know to look there. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's... Wow. I know. Um, and with that, unfortunately for Alyssa, a lot of her story hasn't really gotten tons of press. I'd say hers has gotten more than others. But because she is someone who is descendant of Alaska Native. Oh, She's not yeah. getting the press the same way that someone like Gabby Petito did when she disappeared. Right. Certainly kind of a stereotype that needs to change. It really does. And with that, I do want to say that it's usually super underreported. Yeah. It's also the issue because the... Missing persons database for the U.S. only has a reported amount of 116 cases of missing indigenous women. Wow. It, and it is. <laughs> on one I'm standpoint, sure. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of weird how it, that's a weird statistic in the sense that, like, that's one, just throwing out a number that still sounds like a lot of people. But it's it's kind of a sad testament to just how bad things can get in the U.S. that that is a number that is grossly underreporting of disappearances because it's like that isn't even well, close. <laughs> okay. And considering that this is the number that is reported in like the big U.S. database, mm -hmm. according to uh, Native Women's Wilderness and their. Uh, murdered and missing indigenous women 
page on their website, there is actually 5,712 cases of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women in the U.S. and not 116. Oh, my God. See, that's what I was talking about. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, okay, so over 100 people missing just from like a personal that's, human standpoint. That's a lot of people. It feels like a lot of people. That's like my high school graduating class. It's right, right. It's and then you, that, yeah, that's a whole school of people. And then you think that's not even the actual number being reported. But then you think that's not even the total number of missing people. That's not even the total number of missing women. And it's like no. 116 is what it comes down to. That is. And then you yeah. think, how like how did our country get to a point where that's the amount of missing people? Like, the amount of missing people we have every year is so large that it's hard to even comprehend. It is. And I know, fortunately, for a lot of people, some of it is reporting someone and then, like, they are found. And, like, thank God, that's great. Mm-hmm. But there's... Tons of cases, especially in these American Indian and Alaska Native communities that are not reported, nothing is done with it, or they're just not taken seriously. Right. And even then, there's also this weird hierarchy of law enforcement that you have to deal with, which makes it so much harder. Yeah, for sure. Like... Yeah, it's like, so there's already this underreported nature of these certain cases, and that's Mm -hmm. before you even get to the red tape and the bureaucracy of, like, local law enforcement and then, like, going to national databases and stuff. Yeah, well, and then if you have to deal with anything on a reservation, that's a whole other thing. Right, yep, yeah. Which... If you have not listened to season three of Up and Vanished, they actually do season three in Montana on the Blackfeet Reservation. And it is wild. Interesting. It's it's a really good... They have really good seasons, but this one <laughs> was really good. Just that, that reminds me of a case I listened to. I think it was on the podcast, My Favorite Murder... But it was about an indigenous, I I think it was about a community that was near a reservation. And so the, the natives living on the reservation were often, you know, just mistreated and, and not really served by their, you know, local community police force. And it led to a case where one gentleman was, I think he was just walking home from a bar and they accused him of in some way assaulting a local white woman. And they drove him out into the middle. They put handcuffs on him, drove him out into the middle of nowhere in the middle of uh, February and just dumped him on the side of the road. I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah it was horrifying. And there's mm. like, and it, I can't remember the exact details of how it came out, but it was, it was one of those scenarios where it was undeniable. Like the evidence that ended up appearing was like, no, they basically murdered him. They just dropped him out, you know, and like nothing happened. But like, that's how bad it was that they could beyond any shadow of a doubt, prove that these guys totally mistreated a member of their community. And they're just like, eh, nothing's going to happen. Who cares? Yeah. That unfortunately happens a lot in these scenarios with reservations and, 
I've gotten this information just from like listening to other podcasts where they tell stories where something happens in the reservation, but it's with someone who's like from outside of the reservation. And there's this weird bureaucracy with it where it's like, oh, but like, since they're not a member of the community, they have to be tried this way. Or Mm -hmm. if it's someone from the reservation outside of the community, like that's a whole other thing. And it's right. Yeah. It's difficult to get the departments to even work together from law enforcement, let alone like actually bring justice. That that's why most people don't do anything about it. Yeah, because they like never get justice in the end. So like, what's the point? Yeah, why why even try going through all the hoops if nothing's going to happen anyway? Yeah, which I can say for this case specifically, I don't believe that was what happened but then again i don't know where physically Alyssa was in the just in the area where she disappeared exactly yeah that's that's what's so intriguing about it like Like, the hard part yeah they they have so little information about her last like you're saying the last 24 hours like they just don't really Mm know possibly she made it back to alaska they have just so they i mean they never found anything they didn't find a shoe a lip gloss a they didn't find from a purse anything there's there's always the oh i saw her like over here and then it's just kind of more like a red herring and doesn't go anywhere right yeah but they haven't found any solid evidence as to where she could be and what it comes down to is that somebody somewhere knows something knows something and they're not sharing it but that's it's a shorter episode today. That is the entirety of our case. And for anyone out there, I'm going to just stress how important it is that when it comes to missing persons cases, nothing is too little to report. Right. Yeah. It, you never know what could be the one little detail that exactly. is a break in the case. Exactly. Wow. And... I'd say, as Crime Junkie always says, have a go, have an if I go missing folder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I say this all the time. I'm like, I need to make one, and then I don't. Yeah, it's like it's like saying I should really write a will. Like, just to, I'm not yeah. planning on dying, but they always say you should do it well before you know anything is expected to happen, know. and then you're like, eh, I'm not gonna do it. Well, and. I mean, I share my location with Tori, so I always have someone who knows where I am, generally. That's a good idea. It actually is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I'm somewhere, like when I drove home two weekends ago, she called me and she's like, I was waiting till you were out of this section of I-70 before I called you. I'm like, you were watching me? (laughs) Weird, but okay. I get it. All right. Tori, we have to have a discussion about boundaries. Like, I share my location with her. Like, it's not like I'm not willingly doing that. Well, that's true. I just like forget about it. And then I'm like, oh, you have like really good timing. And she's like, no, I was just looking at your location before I call. Like, okay. I did that a little while uh, years ago with my, my buddy Danny. But it was just because I had started Lyft and Uber driving and he was just curious about like where I would end up. So like whenever (laughs) I would start my evening, I would turn on like Facebook locate or something and he would just get updates. I just watch you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just checking out every so he's like, oh my gosh, you're all the way over there. And I'm like, yeah, it's fun. It's weird. It's dark. It's it's, it's dark. It's, it's yeah. night. I'm at another bar. Ugh, no barf. Hashtag winning. I and mean, then, I feel like that is winning when you do lift an Uber. Oh, to not absolutely. I got my I got my 1K jacket, which is the first, or is it 2K? No, I think it's 1K. When you first crack a thousand rides with Lyft, they'll mm-hmm. they'll like set you up with a cool little jacket, and uh, yeah, it's kind of so nice. nice. It's, yeah, it's I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. It was kind of cool though. And after oh. like the first two hundred, you can get that little Lyft lamp thing that goes on yeah, your dashboard, the, and, like yeah. the glowing one. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah, but people so like you, it. It says hello and everything. I thought everyone got one of those, and that you were just. Uh, the unlucky few if you had like just the sticker but that actually makes a lot of sense no yeah they yeah it's kind of them investing in the people that are doing it longer term i guess okay and then like just doing it for yeah so if you see in. yeah if you see the people who just like on the side of their their windshield have like the little led sign that says like uber or lyft it's like eh, they're not really official you know they they haven't cracked the hundred number of rides they need to get the official lift thing or they just don't want to Dang. use it i don't know i mean yeah, could i like honest. request to have someone who's a more experienced driver no that's i wouldn't do that no they i do Whoever feel like there are certain who shows up so yeah not that i use well, it often i have to admit though i think so between lyft and uber i probably had and it's weird i always think about it it's weird to think that of all the vehicles i've had i got my dodge dart so many years ago and of all my other cars, I've had a few Subarus, a Crown Vic. I had maybe 20 different individual people in all of those cars. And in my Dart, I've had, I think, around 3,500 different people sitting in my car. I don't know why that's wow. so wild to me. But yeah, it's like I've had that many people just in and out of my car and no puke. I did have one guy. Yeah, I worked one Halloween until almost 6 a.m. And I got one couple who came from a hell of a rager. But he was he was in his early to mid 30s. And he was such a pro. He was just like he would hold up a finger and be like, bro, bro, you better pull over, bro. And he would stick his head all the way. He would open the door, stick his head all the way out. No puke on anything. And I'm like, hey, Dang. they gave me, yeah, gave me a $20 tip. And I'm like, five stars as a rider. I mean, he handled his his puke. That's fine. If I don't care if you puke, if you keep it out of the car, that's cool. That's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, never had to clean my car. I was very happy about that. Dang. Think of all the interactions you could have had with people that. Yeah, I did have quite a quite a few. I only had a few that were like questionable. I mean, but I mostly did like early morning commutes and then evening okay. return homes. So I didn't like to do the super late stuff. But yeah. and I mean, that's when you start to become that person who knows something but doesn't know that they know something. So it's, maybe that's. Yeah. <laughs> I did have one woman who uh, it was fairly early on when I was doing it. it maybe mm-hmm. my third month or something um and it was i think it was when i was doing it full time like for the first couple weeks and uh it was pretty late at night and i pull up to this kind of housing complex thing Mm -hmm. and these two guys approach the car 
and they look a little shifty. And I'm like, what's going on? They open the door and they're like, hey, are you Matt? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, all right, sit here. And I'm like, okay. And they go back to the apartment complex. They open the sliding door, pull back the curtains, and they very quickly rush this woman and her child into my car. And they said, all right, go. And I'm like, okay. And she, you like she was- You ate them like a kidnapping? I think I, I th- what I think happened, because they didn't get in. It was just her and her child. Interesting. And um, she just had me, like, we got to the destination and she had me continue driving for a little bit. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm still getting paid. I guess I don't really care. But um, yeah. I'm pretty sure she had, like, a restraining order against someone. She oh, looked very worried about yeah. an assailant. Yeah. And so Aww. I like to think I helped someone escape a, a scary situation rather than. Yeah. Yeah. And then because where we ended up was a really well lit. Uh, it wasn't like a like an apartment, but it, I think it was just like like a townhome area thing. And I waited until they got into the house, and so I'm like, okay, hopefully that was a good thing that just happened. Yeah, yeah, I that was the only. Know. Yeah, that was the only time that I was a little weirded out. I I'm, I probably aided in at least four or five drug deals without knowing, you know, because oh like because you get the occasional like like snack craving person where they they're literally going like five blocks they're drunk or high and they just don't want to drive somewhere so you bring them to a gas station taco bell oh yeah oh yeah definitely had that happen but i've a number of times i mean you're paying me sure yeah yeah, it's like all right clock's running i don't give a shit um but you can see when they get in the car like the destination is really close and it's like okay the, and then you can i think you can see when it's multiple destinations and you can see right away that it's like okay they're going 5 blocks up i'm going to wait for them for a couple minutes and then we're immediately going back and it's like okay they're they just are on a snack run but that <laughs> happened a few times where we just went to some dark corner and they didn't get out of the car right away and i'm like is this we're here. Is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, just give me a minute. And I'm like, uh, okay. Okay. And then every okay, time fine. some other stranger comes walking out of the shadows, he's oh like, my God. Right, sit here, sit tight or something like that. They get out, cross the street. They have a conversation. Then they get back in the car. And I'm like, well, as far as I know, that was two friends just saying hello. And now I'm taking them back to their home. And now I am going Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it's there's a few potential huh. stories like that, but eh, quite a wild time. Yeah, probably, we'll have probably, to probably we'll should have carried like some mace zone. or something. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I want to hear about these stories more, but I'll have to doesn't, think of good doesn't exactly pertain to our case today. No, that's true. <laughs> but you never, you never know. You could be an Uber driver who just yeah. happens me, to like me, come across something, you know, like, well, yeah, well, pretend that didn't happen. That was a really long roundabout way to get to it. But hypothetically, I suppose I could be one of those people who has seen someone for the last be. time and would have no way of knowing it. Ooh, eerie. I have so literally eerie. never thought about that until this moment. And now I'm mortified. I don't like that. Well, sorry to scar you for life, but I uh, feel like I do that pretty regularly on the show. Well, and I, I mean, really, I suppose it's Lyft and Uber's fault. They're yeah, it kind of, it kind of is. 
but we'll we'll bring that up another time. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. For now, so we so should. Yeah, we should talk about snacks. What What did you yes. think of the the pairing of childish snacks with adult drink? I liked it because it's like being an adult but not quite. Yeah. Which <laughs> I feel like is always something you can kind of use when you're like, I'm gonna listen to like a story that maybe doesn't have a happy ending that maybe I want that little bit of childhood. Absolutely. Well, you know, when I was thinking about this, one thing that kind of struck me is I remember, especially like grade school stuff. uh, If you were the kid who was bringing a bag lunch and you had peanut butter and jelly, it was like, oh, PB and J again. There always seemed like as a kid, there was something to look down upon with a PB and J sandwich. And as an adult, I find them to be absolutely delicious. I'm, I'm not I sure what that's about, but they're just fantastic. And you, it, it, I don't know why it has such a stigma as a kid. Maybe just like a parent's inability to be creative with lunches or something. I don't know. They're also cheap. Maybe wow. it's a stereotype thing there. I don't know. But I uh, think it's also because if it's like, well, maybe I wanted the grilled cheese hot lunch. Yeah. And oh. although my parents had us like sit down and like circle which days we wanted hot lunch. Oh, that's so brilliant. That, well, because then they're like, okay, like you're doing the work. If you don't have lunch, like it's kind of your own fault. I think that maybe only happened like one time. And then you're like, oh, I guess I'm buying hot lunch today. Okay. <laughs> but then that way, like we weren't ever like, oh, I wanted like hot lunch today. And then like, did you I school leftovers a lot. So I always kind of like leftovers. I don't have like, I did have a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that were peanut butter and honey. That's what I was going to say. So I was going to ask, did your school have like the I forgot my lunch like program where like you literally have nothing? We we had the ticket system where you would like buy so many stamps and they were each like, I don't know, 250 or whatever. So you do your parents would buy a roll for like 50 bucks or something and you're set for so many lunches. But there were those days where it was still a physical ticketing system. So if your dumbass forgot to bring a ticket to school and mm-hmm. you didn't think to like talk to mom or dad about like packing a lunch the night before, you wind up at school and you're like, oh shit, I don't have a lunch. You uh, you walk into the thing and you're like, I don't have a lunch today. And the lunch lady looks down at you and she hands you a very old, really tightly wrapped up honey and peanut butter sandwich and you go sadly sit with your friends and everyone's like oh hey oh what did you get today matt and i'm like i got this this single very thin unhappy looking sandwich and they're like oh and on taco day too and i'm like oh you sons of bitches we did not have that we had where you punched in your number so that if oh, yeah. you ran into the situation where you did have oh, that, oh, you could oh. like you go essentially overcharge and yeah. go into debt for it. So you had to remember how much you owed to them. Like, right. Kind okay. of sort of do a bit of like a walk of shame back to your parents and be like, oh, <laughs> I forgot I needed money for lunch. So we now owe the lunch lady like $2. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think ours were like, I think it was three dollars, and then it went up to like 
375 when I was in high school or something like that. Like, yeah. Well, I now think. that you mention it, yeah. Now that you mention it, um, I am specifically thinking of middle school. By the time we got to high school, we also yeah. had the the key thing, and I think we also did that. Where effectively, you're handing your kids a credit card for lunch, where it's like, "Oops, yeah. mom didn't mom didn't precharge the thing. I guess I'm just eating all I want, a la carte, baby." Punching that code and I get whatever I want. Yeah. I think that's also why my parents had us like sit down and circle <laughs> which lunches we wanted so they yeah. knew. And then if we forgot or they're like, well, you just have to have hot lunch today. They just like figure it out. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. We, we were pretty loosey-goosey about it. We didn't seem to care. Probably had more hot lunches than I should have. I mean, pizza day and grilled cheese is always my favorite, so. Oh, I did love pizza day. Nothing like hot lunch pizza. Yeah. Um, but back to our actual treats, I would, yes. uh, I, I personally am a crust on kind of person. And I feel like, so I, I didn't make these, I made these very shortly before we started recording. And the, the, like some of the bread, I still have a couple left. Some of the bread is getting hard already. And the peanut butter, well, I also had crunchy peanut butter. I neglected to get creamy, and that's ah, not my that's not it's my a, It's a different type of mouthfeel with it crunchy is. peanut butter. Yeah, and there's something, I think they put more sugar in the creamy stuff or something. But um, I uh, this particular style of, like, cut of, like, yeah. sandwiches, I'm going to go with the seven. Um, okay. I mean, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes hits the spot, and it's a solid ten. These ones didn't didn't quite do it for me. I think uh, I, I think I'm just a crust guy. I should have left it on because it it will mm. keep some of the hydration in the bread. Or I mean, I don't know, but yeah. it, that's what it feels like. Um, I mean, the wine it's hard to go wrong with just a good red. I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go seven all around. Whole thing's a seven. Okay. Yeah. I would say for the sandwiches, probably about a seven because like it's a pretty standard peanut butter and jelly. Mm -hmm. Although I cut the crust off of mine because I'm a weirdo with eating sandwiches and that I will eat the crust first and then eat the rest of the sandwich. Mm, I've definitely done I'm that. Not, <laughs> I'm not a huge crust person, but like I'll eat it. So I cut mm. the crust off today and made like the little <laughs> yeah. mini sandwiches. Yeah, I did that too. And then the wine, the wine was just like a good middle ground red blend, so... Say seven all around. Okay, pretty pretty solid. I will yeah. even as a crust person, I won't deny that like a nice lightly thawed uncrustable from the freezer is pretty great. Their ratio of jelly yeah. to peanut butter is spectacular. It's perfect. You bite into it, and then like the middle part is still just slightly frozen. So it's ice cold, but the outside is soft and chewy enough to just bite comfortably into it's. it's I hard tried to, to get really those. Good oh yeah. I did, and they were completely gone at the grocery oh, store. No Could not find it for the life of me. And it's like, this would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I guess and I don't have those. Yeah. There's Sorry. something about them that just hits the spot in the right way. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of hitting the spot, you can find us at all our spots. Email us yeah. ideas at peculiarpairingspod at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at, uh, at peculiarpairpod and at Instagram at peculiarpairingspod. You can also look for us on Patreon. We're up there. Come and, and 
say hi to us or something. Yeah. Join. We do have different levels. That's all on Patreon. Or if you have questions, contact us in any of our many ways. Yeah, we told We're you all there. things. Go get them. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll talk to you. It'll be fun. Yeah. Do we, have a pre- do we have a preview for our story next time? You're talking about a haunted castle in South Africa. The Castle of Good Hope. Oh my god. <laughs> that is quite a name for a haunted castle. Like it it's is. where it's where hope goes to die. Probably. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> guess, yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Oh, we'll see you next time, listeners. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>